And so, uh, but anyway, I want us to turn in our Bibles this morning to Micah chapter 5. I better get started and, and quit with all that. But Micah chapter 5, it's in the Old Testament. It's one of the small, small little books at the end of the Old Testament. Micah chapter 5. And I'm going to let you get there uh, just for a minute. And uh, just to let us know just a couple things, uh, and then we'll get into our message. Uh, this Christmas season, I just want us to make sure that we're making sure that we're celebrating the birth of Christ, that we really enjoy this time with our family, and uh, that we really uh, just make sure that we, uh, again, just enjoy this time, be very thankful in this season of what all the Lord has done and all that He wants to do uh, in and through our lives uh, this coming up year. And so we'll have church again next Sunday. I want to encourage you to be back with us next Sunday. I wanted to say just a quick little joke. We have no Sunday night church tonight. That's canceled. No Wednesday night church. That's canceled. Uh, our school is off for a break for a couple weeks. Just want to let you know that's canceled. And, and so uh, you enjoy that time with your family. All right. All right. So all my kids look up at me too. All right. Micah chapter 5, a little old book in the Old Testament, like I said just a second ago. And uh, if, if I preach like this, I think I'll move a little faster. Verse 1. This morning we're talking about peace. Peace. And just to understand peace, to know peace. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 1 tells us, Now gather yourselves in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid seas against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with the rod on the cheek. Let me explain that real quick. Micah is an Old Testament prophet. God has given him a word for the people. When he gives them a word for the people, it normally starts out with what they're doing wrong. He usually gives a place of correction to them. And Micah has already done that to the people. He also gives them a place of encouragement of what God is wanting to do in and through them. He normally, as well, God will give to that prophet a word as far as what God is going to do in the future for them and how God is not only wanting to do something great, but he also gives them a promise for today and he gives them a promise for the way into the future. Even some things, even some things that bypass even us today. And so that's what we're seeing here. But in verse one, he tells them, listen, everything is really surrounding you and coming down against you. And he kind of lays it really clear to them of what's happening. This is, of course, really relating to the Babylonian seas uh, that is happening with, the, with God's people as they're a divided kingdom at this point. But you say that really doesn't have anything to do with me this morning. Before, and instead of us preaching about that and getting into all those things, what I really want you to understand, that these people were under great distress. Okay, you with me? These people were under great distress at this particular time in the life of Israel and in their own personal lives. And so we see this even to the point where the person who is their leader is the one leading them. The enemies have struck him and struck him on the cheek. And what it means by that, a rod struck on the a cheek in the Old Testament was a symbol of defeat and a symbol of surrender. And so this is a dark time, like I said, for a person in God's family. It's a dark time in the, in the life of the Israelite people, okay? And so in that place, we move on to verse 2. He gives us a word. He gives them a word, a word of promise for us today and for things to come. 
Okay? And so what he's telling them in verse 2, he, as it reads, it says, But you, Bethlehem, uh, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. I'll take all of those as amens. Right? He says, Out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now this is a beautiful passage of scripture. What it's showing us in this place after verse 1, a place of deep, dark distress that is happening on the nation and on the people. Verse 2 gives us light. It gives us light. It's a prophecy. It is something that was told years before Jesus was going to come on the earth. It was told to Micah that he would come from he would come and he would be born in Bethlehem. What's so beautiful about this story is that God, even in our life today, God doesn't, it doesn't, nothing takes God by surprise. God has a plan in place, and he did from beginning, from the creation of the world, he had a plan in place, and even that, he had the Messiah uh, that was going to come and save the people. And he even tells us in history even before Christ came, where he was going to be born. And even with that word after Bethlehem, uh, it's even being very specific of which Bethlehem. There was two of them, and it tells us that this one that is in Judah, this is the Bethlehem, very specifically, and it's talking about a very small town. Now, if I was a little creative this morning, and just so, you know, if I'd have had two cups of coffee instead of one, I would have sang to you, O little town of Bethlehem, but I'm going to spare you this morning and not sing it for you. I'm not going to sing little old little town of Bethlehem. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of songs. Brother Jake knows this very well. A lot of songs that are not, not accurate and not true, right? And, and it sounds good. It's cute. But that song, very accurate, very true. Because it was an old little town of Bethlehem. It was a small little town. This verse tells us th that he was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bethlehem, just to be very clear, that's a strong amen, right? Bethlehem was called a house of bread. And the Bible tells us that this one that's coming in from Bethlehem, this Jesus, was going to be one that was going to be a bread that we could actually feast on. That Jesus was going to be a person that we could take of his body and be this person to people who were hungry and that were in need. He tells us here about Bethlehem is Bethlehem, if you remember, was a place that Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Jacob, his wife, uh, Rachel, she died giving birth uh, right near Bethlehem to, to Benjamin. When she names Benjamin, whenever she's giving birth, right before she dies giving birth to him, she names Benjamin Ben-Ani, which means son of my sorrow. Son of my sorrow, she's having birth and she's giving birth to Benjamin right there near Bethlehem. Years before this passage of scripture, she names him Ben-Ani and it says, a son of my sorrow. His father looks at him and renames him and names him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And really when she's giving birth to Benjamin, the reason I bring that up is because it's, it's so significant to what that place represents. When Jesus comes through Bethlehem, he is taking on really the name of both. 
of Ben-Ani, which is the son of sorrow, of how he took our place for us on the cross. Him going to the cross started at Bethlehem. Him going and dying on the cross in Jerusalem years later, after his, 33 and a half years after his birth, was because he was a man of sorrow born there in Bethlehem. But also Benjamin, taking on that name, he is a son in my right hand, showing how Jesus is sitting on his throne. Yes, he took our sorrow, he took our pain for us, he took our judgment for us when he comes and dies on the cross for our sins, but he is the one that is in control and he's sovereign and he's on his throne. And I love this, continuing on that verse, he says, though you were little among the thousands of Judah. He's telling them someone great is going to be coming. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the people. And he is going to come in this little old town. What I love about that, what I love about uh, Bethlehem, he didn't choose for the Savior to come in a place of Jerusalem, which is the capital city. He chose... He chose for him to be born in a small little town and part of the smallest tribe, uh, part of this group. In uh, talking about Benjamin and talking about uh, uh, this place of Bethlehem. And so Jesus, well, God, he really likes to take things that people throw away, people that say there's no importance, there's no significance to this place. And he'll take those things and he'll use them for his honor and for his glory. We also see the fact that he was born in Bethlehem shows his, shows his uh, of how he is 100% man, of his uh, mankind. He also tells us on, if you're still with me, in the middle part of verse 2, he says, Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, who is going forth or of old and from everlasting. One of the songs the song that we just sang just a second ago talking about everlasting God. It shows of his eternal God. Not only was he man, but yet he was also God. I want us to understand even though Christ came into the world as a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes in this city in Bethlehem. He was, that was just his earthly birth. But understand that Jesus has always been. He's been eternal God. He was in the beginning. All things were made for him, through him, uh, and all of these things. It was all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's always been, even though he had an earthly birth. It also tells us, I love seeing this in verse, uh, in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to turn there real quick. And if you can, if you want to, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, tells us about this very verse. And I'm going to read for us just real quick. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was terrified of his own kingdom, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, he says, where the Christ has, was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for, this, for thus it is written by the prophet. Talking about the prophet Micah. In verse 6 it says, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so it tells us in the New Testament, Matthew gives us an account of this very verse 
of how when the wise men came, uh, of, of how the, uh, excuse me, of how the king inquired of these wise men of where is this king born? Where is this king of the Jews born? They said, of course, it is in Bethlehem because the prophet Micah has told us this before. And so I love seeing this so much in verse 2 of how he tells them, even in your distress and even in your darkness in your life, the Savior is coming. Let's look at verse 3 and verse 4 real quick. It says, therefore, he shall give them up until the time that he, that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And so it tells us here in verse 3 and 4 of how when Jesus comes, he is coming to save his people. If you read into it a little deeper, you will understand that there's a lot of significance as far as Jesus Christ and his second coming in the end times. But I want us to know that not only will Jesus come officially to rule and to reign as it's prophesied here, but to know that Jesus is on his throne today. Even though it tells us, you know what, even in salvation, we don't see all of our troubles washed away, do we? We won't fully experience that and see that this side of heaven. But to know even in the, the things that we're going through in our life, when we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior of our life, that we can have peace in our heart. What does that mean for us? I know what it means for me. It means for me when I go through this life, if I go through this life alone, I know I'm going through hard times. I'm going through even celebrations and things, good things, not all bad, but I have to walk through this life on my own. I have to walk through this life in my own space. But to know when I have a relationship with God and the peace of God has broken, the, the peace of God is what sealed that barrier between me and God. And now I have a relationship with God. I don't have to go through this life alone. And that is what Jesus came to bring on this earth. He came us to bring peace because we, the Bible tells us, were, an enemy, were enemies with God. We were at enmity with God. And when Jesus came, he came to bring peace between us and God. And so all of this right here in verse 3 and 4, it talks a lot about Jesus' second coming, but of how it could be so true to today for us as he's already come as a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes to bring us peace today. Now, understand something. As we have talked about Bible prophecy, there's Bible prophecy leading up to the birth of Christ, and there's Bible prophecy about the end times and what's going to happen. I want, to make certain, I want us to make sure we understand that Bible prophecy isn't entertainment for the curious, but it's encouraging for the serious. For us, it should be an encouraging time to know that Jesus Christ has done these things for us today and that he's not done with us. The Bible shows us the end of the story, the end of what's going to happen, that Jesus is coming back for us, that he has prepared a place for us. And the same thing was true with the people in Micah's day that they were up against difficult times, but he was telling them that peace was coming, that God had not forsaken them. I want us to read the first part of verse 5 and then we'll conclude. Can everybody say amen this morning? Amen. Okay. 
This is shouting grounds this morning, just reading this first sentence of verse, or this first phrase, first sentence of verse 5. And this one. Now, I love that in my Bible, how the one is capitalized. Some Bibles do that, not all do that. That as referring to Jesus. And this one shall be peace. This one shall be peace. I want to turn with you, if you don't mind doing that with me, in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And verse 1 says to us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, I can think of nothing better for us to talk about and to deal with. The whole reason that Jesus came on the earth, again, in this little old city, in a very humble beginning, in the city where, which he was born, in the place where he was born, in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, to a, a woman that was, had a, an, a just an as it's called, an immaculate conception, who, who was a virgin woman that had this baby, Jesus, lowly old parents, to come and to be the ruler and to be the savior of the world. Whoever would trust in Jesus could have peace with God. We're not talking about just peace with our neighbor, which God can bring that, or not just peace with our spouse, which God can bring that, but we're talking about having peace with God, and it's only through His Son, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, I want to read this for us, verses 8 through 14, really wraps it up for us. Luke chapter 8, uh, Luke chapter 2, excuse me, starting in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Now there we're in the same country. Shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Now, it's not talking, with the verse that we read earlier, we're going to get all the way down to 14, but the verse that we talked about earlier was the king inquiring about Jesus. It is estimated whenever he sends out the wise men. I know our manger scene normally has the wise men there. But that verse is really about two years. They estimate that Jesus is almost about two years old before the wise men go and follow that star. In this passage of scripture, the angel is talking to, talking to shepherds in a field. So he was born in this little old city. He was born in a humble place in, in, uh, in this manger. And he doesn't tell the, God doesn't, angel doesn't tell the king that Jesus is being born. Yet he tells shepherds, lowly old shepherds, they were probably the lowest on the totem pole as far as jobs and careers. That's who he chooses to tell and reveal that Jesus is being born. And in verse 10 again, it says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. 
He tells it to the lowly, the lowest on the totem pole, but it's available to anyone and to everyone. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Of course, that's Bethlehem, who is Christ the Lord. And there will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Again, he's talking to these shepherds. And suddenly there was with an angel, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. I mean, can you just imagine before we read that verse 14, there in that field, an angel appears and they're scared. As you would be, right? As you would be. If you don't think you would, I mean, I live on 11 acres in, in Hargrove in the middle of nowhere. And it's a long shotgun piece of property. And I guarantee you, if I go to about halfway back there, if, even if I had animals, which I don't, except pesky, pesky old dogs and cats running around and a few chickens. But if I had animals back there and I was working that field and an angel would appear, I'm telling you, I'd be a little terrified. There's a lot that goes on in Hargrove. How many of you could testify to that, right? So an angel appears and he tells me to not to be afraid. He tells them not to be afraid. And then it tells them that he gives them a word that this is going to happen. And you kind of want to look and say, me, you're going to tell me you're not revealing this to a king, but you're telling me. And I hope that we have a, just a small glimpse of how precious that is. That just because we're born in America and just because we have a church on every corner here in the Quincy. That God would choose to tell his story to me. To you. Of how much he loves us and cares for us. And that he wants us to know about his son, Jesus Christ. And then these shepherds don't just get the story. But in verse 13, they get the host of heaven there in this field. Begin to sing praises to God. Now, I love the fact that we get to sing. And I love when Brother Jake leads us and his whole uh, choir behind us and blows us away. Right. I'm just joking. But anyway. But can you imagine the host of heaven? They are celebrating with them in the field with these shepherds. In verse 14, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. He's coming to bring peace to us. And he, like I said, he reveals it to the lowly. He does it to the smallest place. And he's giving it to the entire world. And I pray that we would be humbled by that this morning. That we would see God wants us to be able to have peace with Almighty God. And he's telling that to you and I. And so with this, he brings glory and he brings honor to the entire world. And the last thing I'll say for us this morning, I hope we would take this message of peace. First of all, apply it to our lives. And that we wouldn't be ashamed to bring it from where we are in our humble beginnings to give it out to the entire world. Because God will use us. A lot of times we'll look around and say, how is God going to use me? How is God going to use us? Well, there's a story today of people in the lowest positions and the lowest places that God used for his honor and for his glory. And so I pray that we receive that message this morning of peace. And that we would be able to celebrate that this morning, that God is just an unbelievable, good God. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, we just thank you so much for this time, Lord God. These, even, the, even with the noise and even with the, the sounds of these little ones this morning, Lord God, we really and truly just praise you for it. I think it has a lot of meaning and a lot of purpose, Lord, to know it's about you and your son, Jesus Christ, of how you brought him into this world as a baby, as a baby wrapped in swollen clothes, like as we said, when the humble beginnings, Lord, but to come to die on the cross for our sins. You did that, Lord God, so we can have peace and we can have peace with you. And it started with that baby to be raised just like a, just like a regular son, a regular boy. But to grow into this, this son of God, to die on the cross for our sins, to make a way for us to have a relationship with you. We celebrate that. We thank you for that. I pray for each individual here, Lord God, to have peace in their hearts with you that only you could give. I pray that we would settle that this morning in our lives. I pray we would bring that peace, Lord God, not only for ourselves, but we would bring it to the, to the world, to our neighbors, Lord God, to the people around us that need peace. The people around us, Lord God, look like they have it all together, especially during this Christmas season. So many people are hurting though. So many people are living this life without you. And I pray we would get that peace to them because we love them and we care for them. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I pray that we would, I encourage you, I should say, to stand. I hope we take this opportunity to worship the Lord, respond to what he has shown you already this morning. And if you do need prayer during this time, I'm available here. Others are available. But let's take this time and celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ.